Seek would like to start this episode by acknowledging Australia's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities and their rich culture, and pay respect to their elders past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening today. Seek recorded this episode from Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung Country. Diversity, equity and inclusion is a vital part of workplace culture. It can lead to an increase in staff engagement, satisfaction and establishes a sense of belonging among employees. Yet many organisations struggle to get it right. But so when we talk about diversity and equity together, that's where we get all of these really great outcomes that we talk about. Superior innovation, better business performance. Equity and inclusion are a lot harder in a diverse environment, but they also produce a lot more benefits. How do organisations address the common challenges and actively implement an equitable diversity and inclusion strategy to ensure each of their employees has a safe space to work in? In this Talent Talks episode, we spoke with Aubrey Blanchet, Senior Director of Equitable Design, Product and People at CultureAmp and founder of The Math Path. Her professional expertise covers a broad range of equitable enterprise operations, from rethinking how people are visually represented to launching product for team-level diversity insights. She's collaborated with hundreds of people across many different industries to define new ways to build an equitable workplace. Aubrey dives deep into some of the common challenges faced by organisations in their approach to diversity and inclusion, along with the nuances of how to create an equitable DNI strategy. Lots to talk to you today. I'm really looking forward to talking about you know, some of the common challenges that are faced by organisations you know, in their approach to diversity and inclusion. It's a big subject. There's a lot to talk about. So we know that from our research that only a small number of employees think that their organisation values and celebrates diversity. And I'm wondering, can you talk us through some of the challenges organisations are facing in their efforts to implement meaningful change? Yeah, absolutely. I think the number one thing that I see is that organizations don't collect data on this. Mm-hmm. So I always find it almost a, um, a funny problem, if you will, because they know that they need to collect data on literally everything else in the business, but they think they can just like check off a box. And so I always wonder why really, really competent business people can't seem to do the same thing that they already know how to do that they're really good at when it comes to DEI. And that's actually the secret. It's not a very big secret. And hopefully it's an open one, but it really is about collecting data to see what's really working for your organization. Look at the things that maybe you need to improve and then building a plan off of what you learned from that data to make change. And I think that's where I see the biggest gap is that a lot of times people get a checklist of DEI programs and roll them out, but they didn't stop to ask the question, are those the right programs to solve the challenges that we personally have? Because every organization is unique, which is a huge opportunity for DEI, but it also means that check-the-box solutions just generally are a waste of money. And I take your point that every organisation is unique, but that's an interesting point you make around collecting data. What are some of the the broad data points that organisations should be collecting when they're monitoring and and looking to evaluate their their DE&I? Absolutely. Such a good question. So first, you need demographic data. So you need to actually be measuring who's in your organization. And that data provides two sort of different bits of insight for you. So first is representation. So you have to understand who's well-represented, who's over-represented, who's underrepresented in your organization, because whoever is underrepresented is likely to be marginalized mm-hmm. in addition to the ways that people are marginalized by our social structures. But that demographic data also does something even more powerful. It allows you to audit your subjective data and your process data to actually figure out if people are being treated fairly. 
So the next type of data that you want to look at is that inclusion data. So this is often gathered via surveys. So this is subjective experience data where people report basically, how am I doing at this organization? And you're not really doing DEI if you're not cutting that data by demographics and saying, who is the culture working for and who isn't it working for? And then you can make a plan to adjust that based on what you find. And then the last piece, this is the E in DEI, is the equity data. And I will tell you, I think equity is the most important, but that's really auditing your performance process, your promotion process, your pay processes to make sure that they're fair. Because I hear lots of leaders say that they care about DEI, but I always say you only care as much as you're confident in the fairness of your processes. Okay. So let's let's break that down then. What does equitable diversity actually mean? And what does the process of designing an equitable strategy look like? So when we talk about equitable, what we're really talking about is that we're building a set of processes, structures, experiences that take into account people's historical and present day marginalizations and advantages and build for that. So the outcomes that you expect to see of equity are roughly equal or fair representation, fair advancement, fair distributions of performance ratings. Mm -hmm. So the way I think about it is equality in the data is a sign that something is equitable. And then when we talk about diversity, well, it's really easy to have an equitable company when everybody looks, sounds, and talks the same right? It's easy to have an inclusive culture when everyone looks, sounds, and talks the same. But so when we talk about diversity and equity together, that's where we get all of these really great outcomes that we talk about, superior innovation, better business performance, et cetera, et cetera. And so it takes both. And equity and inclusion are a lot harder in a diverse environment, but they also produce a lot more benefits. What have you seen organizations do well when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion? I actually think that companies tend to do a good job, those that sort of have those commitments of raising awareness. Mm -hmm. So I often see folks who are making, you know, commitments, building mission statements, bringing in speakers, and that can be a really, really important part of an overall strategy. But it's important to understand that those things can drive alignment and inclusion, but they don't actually create equity. I think another place where I see companies doing great things is that they build ERGs, which I think are incredibly important and helpful in building connection and belonging. But ERGs do not make sure that employees are paid and promoted and rated correctly. And so it's really a yes and. Those things plus the type of structural work that creates equity is how you actually get change. Sure. And an ERG is? Oh, thank you. Sorry. Uh, ERG is an employee resource Mm -hmm. group. The most common ones are for women, for people of color, and for LGBTQ employees, but these sort of communities based on identity that help folks come together and see themselves represented and build connection within those communities. Great. Amazing. So what are some of the long-term impacts or what long-term impacts does DE&I have on organizations and the people within those organizations? Absolutely. So the good news here, I'm so glad you asked, is that all of the things we already care about from a business performance perspective are the kind of benefits of investing in DEI. So lots of research at this point, it should be baseline knowledge among all executives, I think, is that a superior DEI program or running an, an organization in an equitable way produces greater financial performance, first of all, right? That's good for your stock price. It's good for your budgets. It's good for all the things 
businesses are set up for. Mm. But it also creates greater innovation. Your teams are more likely to be better at problem solving. Employees are more engaged. They're more likely to retain. And it's important to call out in this that as the world is shifting, this is becoming even more important. So statistics um, show that for every straight white man, every hundred straight white men that are leaving the workforce every year, Mm. only 66 are replacing them. And so the needs of workforces are changing dramatically and businesses are going to frankly, struggle to compete for talent if they're not building a workplace where everyone, not just the people who have traditionally been designed for, can thrive. Yeah, sure. Amongst organisations, there's a sense that workplace inclusion is a process of constant improvement rather than an endpoint. And a lot of HR professionals are noticing that there's really significant work to do in their company in relation to DNI. And I'm interested to ask you and point out that our research shows that you know some employees think their DE&I strategies aren't terribly genuine. And I'm wondering, how do organizations start to bridge that gap and create more authentic and equitable DNI strategies? My answer in the simplest way is pay for it. Right. What CultureAmp found, um, and again, this goes back to our 2022 workplace DEI survey, was that when budget and headcount were allocated to DEI programs, companies make progress. Mm -hmm. It is complicated. I don't want to represent it like it's not a difficult or a hard thing to do, but it's also not rocket science, which is a good news for people who care and want to make change is that allocating resources, collecting data, and making a strategic plan are the number one, two, and three things that help companies make progress. And I hope that that's really inspiring and encouraging because it means that while we don't have everything figured out, you know, I've been in this profession for 10 years and I Mm. certainly don't, the basic building blocks and foundations are known and so we can all make some progress. Yeah. Why is it important to keep evolving a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy? And and I think it's hard to touch on, but where do organizations, and we many we have many different size organizations that listen to this, where can they start? Collect data because you need to understand where your organization is doing really well and where you have opportunities for improvement. And the, the thing I always say, you know, to quote Tolstoy and butcher it just a little bit is, you know, every yeah. happy family is happy in the same way. Every unhappy or inequitable organization is inequitable in its own way. And so that data helps you when you have those resources, that headcount that budgeting, say, here is the gap for my organization and I'm going to deploy my resources to meet the need of that specific gap. So collecting data, build a strategic plan, or I should say collect data, allocate resources and build a strategic plan. One thing I would also say from an order of operations perspective is that a lot of companies start by forming those employee resource groups. I would actually challenge organizations to say the number one, two, and three most important things that you can put in that DEI strategy are auditing your performance, promotions, and pay processes. The reason for that, if you build someone a lunch club, but pay discriminate against them, that's not a commitment to DEI. Mm. Some people naturally resist change and DEI often requires a change in thinking as well as ways of working. So how can HR leaders and business leaders go about communicating the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion, and then start to influence change across their organization? I would say it has to start at the top. Without leadership, not only understanding that the commitment is important, but changing their leadership style to actuate that commitment, there is no point. 
in mm. having a DEI program because if it doesn't start at the top, it's not going to go anywhere. My, you know, my lesson from being at Culture Amp, one of the first things we did in the first year was our entire executive team went through a five-month anti-racist leadership program. Mm. And I guarantee you that all of the things that we did to in two years achieve full BIPOC representation at most levels in our company, it was that our leaders were prepared to lead a more diverse organization mm. from a racial active. And so I find that leaders, often those that are very well-intentioned, don't understand what they don't understand. If you don't align leadership first, leaders end up undermining the DEI program unintentionally because they don't know what they need to change. So mm. enabling your leaders, it feels like you're going slow, but it's a go slow to go fast kind of thing. Next, I would say auditing those processes. If you put all of your energy into auditing those processes and making sure people feel and are treated fairly in their core employment decisions, that is going to make the biggest difference. That is going mm. to build trust with people, going to actually make it so that you're keeping your commitments, which in addition to being ethically good, feels good and yeah. is motivating to people. And then education. So not necessarily just telling people that DEI is important. I think that's actually expectation setting. Just saying, this is the standard of behavior to which we hold ourselves. And that doesn't mean perfection, but it does mean a continuous dedication to learning and growing and then providing people with really actionable education. So, hey, our expectation is that you behave in an inclusive way. Let's actually provide you some guidance and support about what that looks like in action. You've been really generous with your time already. It's a fascinating conversation. I'm wondering, we always like to end these episodes with a bit of advice. And what advice do you have for HR professionals and organizations looking to progress their own DE and I strategy? Do what you can to fight for specialists in this space, but also recognize that there is a ton of free resources online. And so anyone can upskill themselves and be um, more of an expert than they are today in this work. And even dedicating an hour a week to doing that will create huge dividends for you and for the organization. Thanks for joining us for this episode. For more ideas and discussions on the world of work and all things recruitment and HR, Stay tuned for more upcoming episodes of Seek Talent Talks.